0: Beside me, Amen. I'm not afraid because I know I'm serving a God that is able to do exceedingly. He said, "Yea, do I walk to the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. I'm so glad I'm sheltered in the arms of the Lord. Amen. Good evening, and praise the Lord, everybody. We welcome you to Christ Center Church this morning, We welcome uh, this afternoon rather, amen. So good to be in the house of God this evening to praise and to magnify the Lord, amen. Uh, the way I'm feeling today, <laughs> in fact I was sharing the bread of Tom this morning that um, close to nine o'clock I was ready to go back to bed, <laughs> um, but God's been good. You know, and I'm sure all of us can testify about His goodness and His mercies and all that He's doing for us. You know, um, there's another songwriter, I think the scripture said, Nothing good have I done to deserve His love. But while we we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for set, one set of folks here. He died for everybody. And I'm so glad that I'm a part of this great big family of God. I've been washed in the fountain i've been cleansed by his blood and i'm joined here with jesus amen we're going to invite you to stand with us this evening as we get right into a bible study we thank you again for tuning in with us our online viewers we thank you for tuning in with us we pray god will touch you tonight and bless you i pray that for everyone that is in the house of god tonight that god will touch you god will strengthen all of us tonight and god will be with us amen Don't forget to keep the folks that are in uh, Houston, Texas and in Louisiana in our prayers that God will continue to cover them and keep them. I know the storm has uh, went through and there's a lot of destruction that has left behind. So wherever you are, just continue to keep those folks in your prayers that God will continue to cover. His people and that will, you know, able to, you know, you know, we're not there, Um, but at least we can pray their strength and pray for covering for them. Amen. Amen. So let's just pray together. If you know anyone that is sick or in need of prayer, you can raise your hand. We can touch and agree for anyone that needs prayer tonight that the Lord will touch them. We've got a few hands um, raised in tonight. Um, just keep those uh, folks. Pastor Wyatt, um, um, Brother Tom, Brother Daryl, Sister Sharon, uh, Papa Jay, Sister Josephine, and a lot more hands. Sister Ivan in the back. So there's a lot of folks here that you know, that we know that needs prayer tonight. So if you can keep those names in our prayers, we pray tonight that the Lord will touch them and be with them. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you for one more time to be in your presence, Lord God, where we can worship you, Lord God, tonight in the beauty of holiness, Lord God, as we give you glory. And Lord God, as we give you honor as we thank you lord god for your goodness and as thank you for your mercies we thank you lord god for bringing us in your presence one more time lord god where we can worship you, lord god in the beauty of holiness oh god truly god you are god and god alone you deserve all the glory and all the honor lord god nothing good that we have done lord god but you see lord god oh god something in us lord god why you die for us oh god You die so that we can have life and have it more abundantly, Lord God. And, Father God, as we come before Your present, Lord God, repent of all our sins, O God, today. The sins that we have committed in your sight, knowingly and unknowingly, Lord God. We ask you, dear God, that you may forgive us for every sin, O God, and that you will cleanse us, Lord God, from all unrighteousness and all filthiness, O God. Lord God, that you will purge us with isop, Lord God. O God, that you will wash us and help us to be whiter than snow, Lord God. That you will create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, O God. Cast not thy presence away from us, O God. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us, O God. Lord God, we want to dwell continually in your presence, Lord God. For in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Father God, as we pray tonight, Lord God, we pray for our Bible study tonight, Lord God. We pray anointing and blessing upon the man of God tonight as they come before us tonight, Lord God. That you will open our understanding and our minds, O God that the anointing of God will be upon him oh God like never before Lord God that whatever, whatever you have to speak tonight to us oh God you will use him for your glory. Father God, as we touch and agree, Lord God, for every hand that has raised tonight, Lord God, you know, Lord God, whatever the needs are, whatever the desires are, or whatever the circumstances in their lives oh God, we actually, Lord God, as we touch and agree, for you say where the two or three are, uh, gathered together, touching anything concerning is, you are there to bless, oh God, and heal. And Father God, tonight, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, for Brother Darrells, oh God, oh God, I pray for Brother Tom, Oh God, I pray, Lord God, for Sister Sharon, Lord God. For Sister Evan, Lord God, for Sister Josephine, Lord God, oh God. For, oh God, I pray, Lord God, for, oh God, Papa Jade, Lord God, that you will touch, oh God, all these requests tonight, Lord God. And those that I don't remember tonight, oh God, you see all these hands, oh God, tonight that has raised tonight, Lord God. We're serving a God that you said if we ask, it shall be done. We have come in faith tonight, Lord God. Believe, oh God, that you'll heal, oh God, every heart and every mind. those that are sick oh god tonight lord god we give you glory lord god we give you all the honor, lord god because you alone oh god are worthy to be praised and father god as we worship you tonight oh god open our hearts and our minds oh god touch our online viewers tonight lord god i pray lord god that something miraculous will happen in every person's heart in every person's home oh god in every person's life Oh God, we pray for those that are in Louisiana. Oh God, those that are in Texas, oh God. Those that are affected by the hurricane. Oh God, that they will be strengthened, oh God. That they will be encouraged, oh God. Oh God, because they promise you will never leave us, nor forsake us, oh God. Oh God, we give you all the glory tonight and all the honor. And Lord God, we want to thank you in advance for what you're doing and what you're about to do, Lord God. As we come into the service in your hand tonight, we say thanks for your blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord a lot of round of applause tonight. Let's praise him tonight because he's worthy to be praised. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Worship the Lord in Jesus.
1: Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. We serve just such a wonderful and loving and kind God. We thank Him for His goodness in all. His mercy, His grace, His kindness. God is good. Amen. I reached out to, you know, I love um, just my brothers and sisters, especially the Webbers um, in Louisiana. They're down there weathering the storm. And I made sure I checked in with him and just wanted to know how he's doing And he said, it's not too bad. A couple of trees knocked down, a little bit of flooding, but um, we're holding strong down in Louisiana. So let's continue to keep Louisiana in your prayer and Texas in your prayer. We have some wonderful people in those areas and we want God to keep people from dying because if they don't know who he is, that's not a good thing when you die not knowing who Christ is. So we have to continue to pray that God will uh, keep them and that he will defend and protect them from all danger and harm. So continue to keep them in prayer. So God's will can be done in their life. I, um, I got a lot of, I don't know. I, I just have so much going on in my mind and especially on, um, it just seems like the past couple of Thursdays I come and I'm just filled with a lot of thoughts and a lot of, um, things that's going on. Um, let me say this first. Um, it, it's incumbent upon us as um, leaders, um, especially uh, those that are in the church as leaders, that as different things um, come up in our world, um, we need to um, have a stand, so to speak. We, have, we, need to have, um, um, we need to communicate our position as leaders and as the people of God. And I want to tell you this with all the uh, challenges that our, world, that our world is facing and um, all the uh, protests and all the um, social injustice and social unrest and all the things that we're going through. I want you to know this. This is my position as the leader of this church. My position as someone that's living for Christ and standing on his promises is the church need to be focused on Jesus Christ. I am not ignorant, and and I'm not going to tell you that I don't understand that there are things that need to be done in our world and things that need to be addressed. I get it. But, you know, we like to use this term, uh, stay in your lane. And I thought about staying in your lane, um, that it makes some sense, biblically. And what sense does that make? It makes sense from a point of view when the scripture says the finger does what the finger do. The hand does what the hand do. The toe does what the toe do. And on and on, the body of Christ, all of us need to operate in the functionality that God places in to operate in. And so with all that's going on, I am not an expert in social um injustice or social unrest and all the different things i know what's right and i know what's wrong but as far as me having the knowledge and the insight as to getting things done i think that's why we vote for people to get those things done right and so all i can say is pray and ask god to direct you in how you should vote and who you should vote for because those are the people that will make the decisions to have some change in our world. Now our position as the church. As the people of God. Is to focus on Jesus. And to always seek to help people get saved. Amen. That's our focus. And if we put our focus on anything else. I think we are doing the kingdom of God. And God himself an injustice then. Because here is the truth of the matter. If everyone in our world was living a holy Righteous, sanctified, godly life. Do you think we would be going through this kind of stuff? I didn't say we wouldn't have issues and challenges. I'm just saying this kind of stuff. Love wouldn't be an issue. Amen. Treating each other right wouldn't be an issue if people were saved. And so I just want to encourage the church to say be careful and don't let anyone get you off track or let them get you focused on what you don't, you're not an expert in. So you can get focused in an area where you really can't do anything about it. The only way you can do something about some of the things that, that, that do occur is vote right and obviously pray for the right people to be in office. That's what we can do socially. Vote right and pray for the people that God wants in office. That's what we pray about. But as far as who we are as people, Christians... Our focus is on Jesus Christ and his mission for the world. So never mistake that. And so a lot of people would come to me and say, well, pastor, what are we going to do? We need to march. We need to protest. And I would say, if that's something you want to do, you can go ahead and do it. Whatever I do, it will be done under the banner of Christianity. That's where I stand, and if you ever want to know where I stand a little bit more, you can always get me to the side, but I'm not going to let politics and uh, worldly things get me off track because we have a job to do, and our job to do is what Christ tells us to do. We have to be careful that we don't get pulled into other things. Listen, we're not blind. We can see that we have some problems. And we know things need fixing. And we're not ignoring it. And we're not going to stick our head in the sand. But I believe our mission and what we can do is more powerful than what anybody else can do. If we stay in our lane. Now, we try to get out there and try to do what um, some others that might be better off than us to do, then we might miss what God called us to do. There are some people out there that's equipped to help our society, and to help make the right decisions, to get us on the right track, we need to pray to God that he will direct us to those people, to vote for those people, and hopefully those people will get in office, and we will see some change that way. But as far as the other stuff, I just believe, let me just be straight candid with you. I believe I can do more damage on my knees for half hour than you can do at the... at the capitol building in a half hour waving your flag that's just me that's just me i believe i can get on my knees and begin to call upon the king of kings the lord of lords the all-powerful sovereign god and i call on him and ask him to intervene and he can do that he can do things i could never do and so that's where i feel like i have my that's where my strength is and it should be the strength of the church is when we get on our knees i think that's where we're we have power and that's how we can make a difference is when we get on our knees. So I know everyone have different thoughts about that, but that's my thought and are my thoughts. And that's how I would like to move forward in this world as we continue to serve the Lord, as we continue to walk this journey. I don't want you to get off track with your focus. Amen. I'm going to show you a video in a second here because it's it's something that I've been talking about regarding corona and i've been saying the coronavirus, almighty god could have stopped it Cheryl. we don't want to just face the fact that as christians we have to admit that that the sovereign god the all-knowing god the all-seeing god all-present god decided to let corona come and many people have died many people have lost their life many people have gotten sick
2: Why did he allow that?
1: Only he knows. I'm not even going to tell you the answer because I can only speculate, but he knows. And so what I said is that since corona, the church has had to adjust what she does and how she do it in order to reach lost people, in order to be more effective. I believe that, honestly speaking, that the way we traditionally have our church services and conduct the church I believe it's not all the way the, the the Lord would like it to be. He's not upset at us or anything like that, but I just believe he is probably thinking you all could be a whole lot more effective than the way the, than how you're doing it. So how we do church services and how we do I think I believe the Lord is saying You all can be a whole lot more effective if you do it differently. How can I say that? Because the revivals that we read about and hear about all the time, they're overseas. We're always hearing about revival and miracles and all these things overseas. And we're always hearing it. They are more challenged than us. And if you want to get straight to the heart of the matter, in China, you can't preach this gospel just out like that. In the Middle East, you can't just preach this. But guess what? There have been revival in the Middle East. They're having revival in China. So my thoughts are, if maybe we start copying some of their message, we will have revival in America. And guess what? I've been watching and I've been seeing revival in America. You know how many churches are baptizing people these days? How many churches are praying people through these days? And you're wondering... We're not all in the building. We're not all doing it a traditional way, but we're seeing a move of God. Maybe it's because we're more effective now than how we've been. So, I've built, so So my position on Corona is God allow it because it was going to work for his good and our good. That's just me. He allowed it because he knew it would be something that will work for the good of the church. And so he allowed it. He knew it would be something that would work for the good of people being saved. And so he allowed it. You may be seated. You ready for my video, Sister Patrice? Show this video. This is a video. Hold it one second. A video that will show you. Some of you know about this. Some of you don't know. And so there is gifts of the spirit that we've taught about um some weeks ago we talked about the gifts of the spirit and one of the gifts of the spirit is speaking with tongues and then there be interpretation of tongues and you're going to see in this video how that gift work where someone can speak with tongues and then those tongues be interpreted and that's a way that god gives messages to the church so my one of the churches that i have a connection with I was just viewing their thing on Sunday, and all of a sudden, here we go. Holy Ghost moved on under on, on the congregation. There was a message in tongues, and there was an interpretation. And I want you to listen carefully and follow what you're hearing. <laughs>
2: Hakatoi Niko Shamaki he take home. A yakisha bakoto, Sahiki, a laboho Nayako, a yaha shahoka be here. O Kosh Maha Lehiko Somohos Mahisha Sahiko, I she O Shaho Shaha Soko Sahika Sahika Nehokosh Nehita. You see. Lots of changes around you. These changes are me trying to bring my people unto me. I need you to come closer to me. I need you to walk the way that my instructions have commanded you to walk. Come walk with me. And when you come and walk with me, the others will see and will follow Come and walk the old path, the old way, with me. My instructions are clear. I am calling, I am calling, I am calling. Right now, in the name of Jesus, raise your hands, receive the word. Raise your hand. Move closer to the Lord this morning.
3: Move closer to the foot of the cross this morning.
1: For those of you that don't know, that's the gifts, one of the gifts Of the spirit operating in the church. You notice how they were just worshiping. And all of a sudden it just got quiet. The Lord spoke. He spoke through someone that spoke in tongues. And then it was interpreted uh, the English so you can understand. He says, come and walk the old. I've allowed it. You hear these key words? I know I'm not crazy when I tell you some things, man. I'm not... I, I, I can't tell you how it all worked because none of us can explain how God does what He does. But believe me when I tell you the things that I say, it's not something I conjure up and come up with in my own... And, figment of my imagination it's just something god is birthing out of me something god is directing me to say or do and i'm telling you what's going on is the lord allowing it because he's trying to accomplish his will in the earth he's given us the opportunity to be saved it's up to us what we're going to do, but God is reaching for us. And he is allowing whatever he has to allow to get our attention. And so we need to start saying, God, I got I to gotta do what I need to do. I got to do what I need to do. So don't you worry about corona, social injustice. These are things we just have to pray about and let God direct us. That's just simple for the church. We pray about it and wait for God to direct us. That's it. Can't do anything else. But just we have to know that God is with us. Because times are the way they are, it doesn't mean God backed away and God is not working. We just don't like how we work like this. (laughs) We don't want him to work like this. And he's saying, but who's God? You or me? Right? And so he's working the way he knows to work. And we just have to receive it, embrace it, and let God do what he's going to do. Hallelujah. Well, I told you I have a lot going on in my brain. Those are just a few things. Still a whole lot more to go, but we need to get into the studying of the scriptures tonight. Um, I have a couple of things that I will continue to um, keep you uh, reminded of if you can um, stay with me on these things. Um, next week from... Monday through Saturday. If you can fast and pray with us, I would really, really appreciate that. And so I want you to pick one, two, or three days next week to fast and pray with us. What are we fasting and praying about? We want the Lord to speak to us and direct us concerning our search for church building. We want the Lord to speak to us about that. We don't want to just... Do our own thing. We want him to speak to us and direct us. So if we can all pray and fast, we take a week of prayer and fasting and let's wait and hear what the Lord is saying to us about that. So starting Monday, again, you can choose whatever day you want next week. You can choose one day, two days or three days and we end the fast on Saturday. So after Saturday, that's it. Now, Saturday we have our prayer breakfast, so we'll be here at 8 a.m. and we'll do a little leadership training after that as well. And so you can break your fast after that or you can break your fast later in the afternoon or you might not fast that day because you fast earlier in the week. And so just figure out what day is best for you, just as long as all of us are on one accord, knowing that next week we reserve that week to fasting and praying between Monday and Saturday and we want the Lord to speak to us concerning our building search. Amen. We want 1.7 million to purchase this property that we've seen. And we want it to be the will of God. If it's not the will of God, then God will speak to us. So keep that in mind. Also, Tuesday, September the 8th at 7 p.m., we're having our second uh, Zoom CCC family meeting. And what is that? That's just someone suggested it. A few people suggested it that we, uh, take some time at least once a month or once every other month. Take some time to give the entire church family to get online and see one another. Just say hello to one another. It's no preaching and teaching going on. It's just this, just, just saying hello to one another. Um, Even if something comes up that you just want to discuss, we can discuss it on that platform. But it's just an opportunity for everyone to see everyone's face because we haven't all been together in a long time. So if you'd like to be a part, we encourage you to be a part. Please be sure to put that on your calendar. Zoom family meeting Tuesday, September the 8th at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Yes, ma'am. Um, that's all right. Bible studies at 8 p.m. 7 o'clock. 7 p.m. Amen. Continue to share our live stream link every time you are viewing the services via live stream. Please share the link with someone. And, um, get involved. Um, Sister Crystal has been doing a great job just, um, being our virtual online, um, greeter and, and hostess. And she's been doing a great job with that. So if you get on and you want to have dialogue, you want prayer, just mention it. Sister Crystal will respond to you. Maybe I shouldn't tell you it was Sister Crystal that was responding, but <laughs> Sister Crystal <laughs> will respond and she's doing a great job with, with that. And um I will continue to mention that baptism um, is available. People that want to be baptized, if you can't make it to the backyard or you can't make it to the swimming pool, um uh, we can baptize you in Burlington. We can in a swimming pool or we can baptize you in Hamilton in a baptism tank. Or we can come to you wherever you are. If you in Jamaica, will come. If you in Florida, will come. If you in New York, will come. If you're in wherever you are, if you want us to come and baptize you because you're ready to be baptized, let's do it. This, this is nothing. G, when, when Jesus was on the earth, they walked miles and miles and miles, days and days and days, and days to go make sure they preached this gospel. Now we have airplanes and boats and we're worried about it? Oh, no. Come on. That's what the Lord said. Right. And so we're going to go wherever we have to go to reach someone. So keep those things in mind. I will continue to remind you of those things. But let's get to our lesson and let's try to get through lesson two on questions Christians ask questions Christians ask. Remember, we have been talking about um baptism and we talked about um should someone be re-baptized if they weren't baptized um, the way the Bible teaches. And we said yes. And and we, we we had a lot of discussion about why did Jesus get baptized. And we said that it was just him being obedient as a human because every human must be baptized if they want to fulfill the will of God for their life that you must be baptized. Jesus didn't have to be baptized because we have to be baptized because we have sinned. And we need um to be baptized because baptism removes sin. Jesus didn't have any sins, so he did it just out of straight obedience because every human have to do it. And as human, he obeyed the laws. And what we said, one of the most fascinating and glorious thing about our Savior is that he was the one that created everything. And... Guess what? Even the Bible. It's his, it's it's his words. Everything is his. He created. And then when he came to this world, he submitted to everything he created. He could have, he could have said, listen, I'm the, I'm the author of all of this. I did all of this. I don't have, I know it already. You all do it because you don't know it, but I know it. He didn't do that. He submitted to all of the laws that was required of him while he was a human being on this earth. And I think that's one of the most fascinating thing about God. And it's, it's, it's something that, um, is going to or should make us all uncomfortable because what will be our excuse when we don't do what the Bible teaches that we should do? Because he, the one who created all things, who established the law, the written word, he came and submitted to it and so what are what is our excuse so that's going to be something that we need to um, look into ourselves and say am i doing what i need to do because jesus christ came and he did it so our next question is this is it okay for just anyone to baptize me is it okay for just anyone Uh, there are people out there that just saying, well, if I want to be baptized, guess what? Just, you know, as long as I tell the people how to baptize me, they can baptize me. And so the question is, is there, you know, just should anyone baptize me? This question arises because people have misunderstood what baptism really is. And so we sometimes don't really understand what baptism really is. And so let's look at it a little bit closer. Baptism is not a party or a family event. Huh. you know some people make a good time out of everything and that's not what baptism is for can we make a good time in christ sure we can but it's not something like it's not a party thing you know it is not just the cool experience that you do at the beach mm-hmm, or at the jordan river in israel it's just not a cool thing you do part of baptism is making a public confession before god and the church that you are giving your life to Jesus Christ and you have made up your mind to serve him. That's part of baptism. Occasionally someone who is not a minister or a leader in the church will ask, can they baptize their child? While I don't think that it really will be the end of the world for them to do that, I still really uh, suggest that we always have a pastor, minister, or an ordained leader of the church to baptize you. If we go back to the pattern, which is the book of Acts, you first find that the apostles baptized people. Mm -hmm. Then you find Paul saying something to the church uh, people in in 1 Corinthians 1 and 14. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except or but Crispus and Gaius. Paul was saying that he had baptized these two people, but someone else in the church had baptized the other members. Paul had now passed that on to other ordained leaders in the church. So Paul didn't baptize a whole lot of people, but he was he was behind baptism, telling them you need to be baptized. But other church leaders were raised up, and Paul um, had them do the baptism. The point is this. That baptism is very serious, and public confession must be made. It is a ceremony of a public confession that you're giving your life to Christ. So it's always been uh, my conviction that it should be done by a pastor, and a pain leader. So if you want to be baptized or if there's supposed to be baptism, those are people that should baptize you. Now, will there be a situation on the backside of the desert where someone got the revelation from God Almighty that they need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and there's not a church in sight and they don't have any church around to baptize them? Then what happens? I'm sure at that point in time, that person that got the revelation can begin to show whoever that's with them, for them, what God says. And if that person is 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 understanding is understanding that okay, that baptism is correct according to the Word of God, and they be baptized by that person, is that the end of the world? No, because who else would have done it? And God is more interested in you being baptized, but just straight wanting to be baptized and just finding someone from just anywhere saying, baptize me, that, that's not a good thing. Uh, I think you have to be flexible in that kind of circumstance if someone on the backside doesn't got the revelation and want to be baptized. But whenever there's an incident of baptism in the Bible, it seems to be in the hands of the leaders of the church. So always remember that. And think of it also as a point of accountability. I mean, just imagine if you get baptized by some person that just random person, what kind of accountability is that? Do you know who is the one that's watching out for your soul? Who is uh, instructing you in the ways that you should live for God? So baptism also is a is a is a point of accountability. There comes a time in which you are no longer accountable to your parents. Listen to me carefully. There are times for every one of us that you become grown, as you like to say. Matthew, there's a time where you're going to be considered grown. And if something happens to you, they're not calling your mom because you're grown. You're, you're on your own. And so you're a grown adult and you're responsible for yourself. So that time will come if the Lord tarries. But there's never a time when you or I are not accountable to the leaders of the church whom God has set in place. You're quiet on that. In order for us to live a true, faithful Christian life, whatever church we're in, we have to be accountable to the leader leaders of that church there are people that don't like that and because they don't want to be accountable they either what we call church hop or they come sparingly to church so you can't get them caught up in the flow of what the church is doing and the reason for that is they don't want to be accountable Because of whatever the reasons are, some people just feel like nobody should tell me what to do. And so the bottom line is, you will not get to heaven if you feel like nobody should tell you what to do. Because when you needed to be baptized, somebody baptized you. You didn't baptize yourself. And so... If you go through all of Scripture, God has always had someone leading. And people are accountable to that leader. And he hasn't changed that format. And so for all of us, we must be accountable to someone. So if you're in a local church, you know, one of the things that's very interesting is this. Some people feel like, I don't, I can't be accountable to that pastor. And that's fine. But find a pastor that you can be accountable to. And usually a person who says, I, I don't want to be accountable to that pastor, they will probably never be accountable to any pastor. They just started out with that one to, you know, they come up with reasons and things like that to say, hey, I can't be accountable. That's fine. But I'm here to tell you that if you can't be accountable to anyone, you will not make it to heaven. Because there's more going on in your heart. Remember what I told you about submission. I learned a long time. When you get to know Jesus, you understand that your submission to a man or a woman that's leading the church, if you want to be at peace with yourself, understand that submission that you demonstrate or display, that submission is really to God. Because what God will challenge you to and say is, so you're telling me. This is what God will say to all of us that decide that we will not submit and we will not uh, uh, be accountable to anyone. You know what God is going to say? So I see you don't trust me. You think I am going to let someone take advantage of you? You think I'm going to let someone abuse you? You think I'm going to let someone destroy your soul when all you're doing is obeying me? Y'all are quiet on this. I learned that years ago. That God will not allow me to be destroyed by anyone as long as my actions, my motives are that I am trying to do my best to obey God. And so if I'm doing my best to obey God, guess what? God will see to it that I'm fine. Why we don't submit or we're not accountable is because we don't have confidence in God. And you can lie if you want and say, oh, I do, but I don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Because if God allowed a pastor that's in that church to not be good to you for a while, it's because God is trying to develop something in you. And so he might allow that pastor to be a tyrant for a minute, for a season. He might allow that pastor to rub you the wrong way for a season. He might allow that pastor to say things that you just don't like for a season. And guess what? He is trying to prepare you for something. Because you, what you don't realize is, what if God want to take you to another level to lead other people? How will you respond when they don't like you, when they don't show good things? To, how will you respond? And so you don't realize what God is developing in you in order to get you to the next level in Him. So here we are always trying to run away from something that's going on. We're always trying to escape like, that ain't God because if that was God, they wouldn't treat me like that. The pastor wouldn't talk to us like that. That can't be God. And so you escape and says, that's not a good church. And you're not thinking about God. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about what your eyes can see. And you haven't stopped to say, why is God allowing this? I just told you tonight, God allowed Corona. So if God is allowing Corona, He will allow some things to happen in your life that's going to get you just right for the next level of leadership in your life or to the next place of your journey in Christ. But you don't want to do that. As a matter of fact, because we just all want to, we just think that we could just live for God the way we want. It's almost like we're trying to tell God but don't want to pass it off. Don't want to be honest to say we're telling God how we want it. God, this is what I want to do in the church. God, this is how I see myself in the church. And then he probably have to do you like Job. Where were you? When I stretch forth the heavens and the earth, you come tell me some mess about how you want to live, how you want to serve in the church, what you think your role should be. And God is saying, are you kidding me? So the bottom line is we have to realize that we have to be accountable. I feel bad for those of you that that have a hard time with that. People stay far away from the church because why? I'm not, he don't know everything and I'm not, some of the things he say is just off. I'm not, I'm not, mm-mm, I'm, mm-mm, I'm good. Okay, I hear you. And I'm going to show you a person that's struggling to live for God. Struggling to live for God and guess what? And you have a lot of excuses and a lot of faults everywhere you go. The ones that start, that's never able to be accountable. That's never able to let somebody step on your toes and hurt your feelings by instructing you in the right way that's different from what you see. I told you, I got people right there that can call me up and say, brother, what are you doing? Give me a hard time. Work me over. Because I trust God. I trust God. God. That if the people that I have in my life that can correct me, that can straighten me out, I trust God that it's his will, that whatever they're saying, it's his will. And I'm protected that way. You can leave yourself unprotected if you want. I didn't mean to go down all that stuff, but let's move on. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Great, great scripture. And so God, look at God. You all have to look at God and learn him. Look what it says obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Now you take that part of you saying in your mind, man, God, why I got to be submitted to uh, that person? Finish reading the scripture. For they watch for your soul. Now it's talking about them now. you He just told you what you need to do. Now he's telling you about them. For they watch for your soul as they must give account that they do it with joy god got us all. I don't know why we keep thinking somebody's getting over with God. Nobody gets over with God. So he's telling you to submit, and he's telling the other person that you submitted to, you better treat them right. Either people that don't do right get a whipping. If you don't submit, you get a whipping. And if the one that you submit to treat you unfairly, he or she get a whipping. Nobody escaped from God. So you don't have to worry about this thing. You just have to trust God and know that he's good and he loves you and he watches out for you and you're going to be all right. That's all you need to know. We got to stop worrying about these things. Now, there are people who says they were baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, but it was by a pastor or church leader who doesn't believe that the only way... Uh, to be baptized is in the name of Jesus. And some churches out there will baptize someone nearly any way they want to be baptized. Do you know there are churches that you say you want to get baptized and they're not even sure how you should be baptized? Let me tell you all something. Amen. Amen. You got to give me a couple minutes tonight. Um, so I teach a couple Bible studies on Tuesday. I teach one from 630 to like 715. And so obviously if I'm teaching the Bible study, this person a new convert. So what I taught this person was to learn the scriptures and understand the scriptures, what it says, how to be saved. Now, this person has some friends that's been saved years and years and years longer than him. And they're happy that he's going to church and they have good times together. And sometimes they even have discussions about God because they're all Christians. So he don't know as much as they know. But one day they were talking a few days ago, and he says to them, I said, why did you say that? He said, you taught me, so I just used it. They're sitting around talking. So he said to his friends, that's been Christians way longer than him. So if somebody asks you how to be saved, you know how to be saved? And they said, well, I always tell you guys, just believe. He said, just believe. What if you believe and it don't work? This is the new convert talking to them. I told you, if you ever get a home Bible study, oh, please. So they was like, well, he said, well, let me show you. And he took them to John three, one through five. Nicodemus said, you know, uh, can we be born the second time by entering to our mother's womb? And and he you know Jesus told him you know except you be born again of water and of spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Then he showed them that. Then he took them to Acts 238, where it says, repent and be baptized everywhere. He says, that's how you get saved. I'm telling you all, there are people that's been doing this thing for a long time. That's why if you all just take a little bit of what you hear in this church and use it. You can't sit on it. You have to take it and do something with it. If you do it, you will be inspired to keep on going. But if you do nothing, you will not be inspired. This dude, is new convert, he tried the stuff we talked about in the whole Bible study. Now he's on fire. Like, whoa, that worked. I said, yeah, it worked. It's the word of God. It's not my words. It's the word of God. But he's excited to know that he is learning about God where he understands what he should do and how he needs to walk with God and move forward. He's learning that. And some of us are discouraged and 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 and, 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 and are not connecting like we, we need to because we don't feel like we're learning. You know more than you think. If you're in this church, you know more than you think. And if you will begin to just use, speak the things that you're hearing coming from this pulpit, you're going to realize how much you know. But if you don't do anything about it, you're going to always not have any confidence and worry about, well, what if I say this? What if I make a mistake and all of this stuff? Just start opening your mouth and speak the things that you've heard. Study out what you're hearing and you'll see God do some great things. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe the person who baptized you should be an example of truth. They should believe and practice truth because in order to invoke the name of Jesus over someone in baptism, you really have to know who Jesus is. So the person that's baptizing you must know who Jesus is to invoke that name and it means anything. You cannot believe that Jesus is part of a trinity and be baptizing people in the name of jesus christ because you're confused i don't want you baptizing me when you think jesus is part of a trinity and but you're saying in the name of jesus christ because i told you no 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 i want somebody that believe it wholeheartedly. you can't really believe that jesus is 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 two gods and baptize me so we got to know this thing for ourselves you must believe like john john's gospel say it in The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we know that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, manifest in flesh. Mm -hmm. And also, another question, why don't you baptize babies? First answer is because it's not in the Bible. Why don't you baptize babies? It's not in the Bible. You've never seen a baby got baptized in the Bible. So churches that's practicing that, I don't know what, what their reference point is. Because a baby never got baptized in the Bible. Second answer would be because if you stick to the Bible's instruction for baptism, as found in Acts 2.38, it must proceed by repentance. So you should not get baptized until you repent. Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Babies cannot repent. (laughs) So it doesn't make sense to baptize babies. That's why we don't baptize babies. Not in the Bible, and babies cannot repent. And not until you know how to repent... And when you know how to repent, it means that you understand wrong. You understand what sin is. You understand who Jesus Christ is. It's when you get to that point where you understand who is Christ, what sin really is, and understand what repentance is, that's when a person should be baptized. And obviously, a baby can't do that. Mark chapter 10, verse 13, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of God. So we know babies are, they represent the kingdom of God. So they're already a part of the kingdom of God. So that's what you have to know about babies. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, He shall not enter in. So little children enter in. Okay? Jesus said these children are already saved and you need to become like these little children. So that's why we don't baptize babies. Amen? How old should a child be before they get baptized? Okay? We can't really say. It's back to what I just said. Do they know who God is? Can they repent? Uh, if 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 they know God and they understand repentance and sin, then they can be baptized. And so not until they come to that place to understand that. So when a child is old enough to totally understand what repentance means and what baptism means, they are ready to be baptized. The age differs because, as we know, children mature in a different, you know, at, at different levels. And so you will probably see uh, baptism of children. They start getting ready to be baptized somewhere between nine and 12 years old. Nine and 12 years old um, sometimes is where you find children beginning to understand repentance, beginning to understand um, what, what, Um, baptism really mean who god really is around those ages and so that's usually um around about a good time that you will probably notice kids begin to um uh come and say i want to be baptized and so that's a good age to kind of gauge uh when a child is getting ready to be baptized amen so as a parent When you see your children beginning to reach that place in age or when they begin to ask questions, then you need to be ready to see how much they know. And if they understand what this really is all about, and then we can go from there. Amen. Amen. Um, Looking at the time. Um, All right. Let me give you this last question because I promised it last week and I don't like to make promises and not keep them. Um, I'm skip one of my questions. So one of the questions that I'm skipping tonight is does Satan know the scriptures? But you all know Satan know the scriptures. All right. So I'm not going to get into that one. But the question I will finish up tonight with is this. Why do I exist? Why do I exist? Everybody needs to ask themselves that question. Why do I exist? Why do I exist? We need to ask ourselves that. That's the most fundamental question of life. Why do I exist? And if you haven't asked yourself that, you need to ask yourself that. Why do I exist? And I followed that process out uh, many a times back in the day. You know, just watching the process over years, how people are born... And they go through the whole cycle of growing up, and then they have family, and then after they have family, they get old, they die. The family, you know, the cycle. To me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's only me. Listen, think about this. I don't want to go too, too deep on you, but I think if I was never born, I wouldn't know. And for some of us, we're born and we come into this world and the misery that we go through, I'd rather not just be born. So that's one thing to think about. So if you think about that and now you think about the other thing to say that, okay, I'm born. I get raised, you know, I become an adult. I have my own family and I get old. I die, they bury me, and they repeat my cycle, and they, 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 then their children repeat. That's it just, these kids just, we keep, you you think that's good enough? Gabby, you think that's good enough? That don't make a lot of sense, does it? Like, ooh, that's it, that's all to life. That we're just born, and we enjoy maybe what, 60 years? Maybe less? of of, And we're not enjoying all 60 of those years. Because there's some misery in those years. There's some unsatisfaction in those years. So I don't know if we live to see 70, 80. I mean, we might enjoy half of that, a quarter of that. What's the big deal? So there got to be more to it than that. So I've been asking this question a long time now. Why do I exist? What on earth am I doing here? (laughs) All right, I'm going to go through this as quick as possible. It won't take up a whole lot of time, but here are some things you need to think about. you got to understand a little bit about God to ever get to the place of why you're here. We usually do it. Um, I remember back in the day, nobody wanted to take their car to the car dealership to get it fixed back in the day. Nowadays, they're, they're making things almost where you don't have a choice. You, you, you got to go to dealership. But back in the day, you get a car start acting up on you man. you're taking it to your mechanic buddy. Because that dealer and the cost is just out of control. And so you don't go to the dealer. You go to your buddy mechanic. Right. But there are some things that gets messed up on your car that you say, we got to take this to the dealer. One of the things we always say you got to take it to the dealer is when it start having electrical problems. They say whenever cars start giving you electrical problems or engine problems, you better take it to the dealer. Don't take it to your mechanic buddy. So why do we take it to the dealer? Because the dealer knows everything about the car. And so what your, what your buddy don't know, we expect the dealer to know. And even the people that work at the dealer don't know, guess what? The, because it's the dealership, somebody will get them the information because it's under the umbrella of the maker of the car. They know everything about the car. They have machines that know everything about the car. And so I'm telling you, I feel like sometimes we play these games with ourselves And don't really realize God is paying attention. What are you talking about, preacher? Because you know to take your car to the dealership when it's really messed up. Who is your dealership? Who is our dealership? I am struggling these days watching. It hurts so bad. I forgot to mention one kid. I put my hand up, and and I don't want to bring his name up, but we'll pray. And Saturday evening, probably when we pray again, we'll pray for him again. But I've been praying for him. But just I'm watching a lot of people's life being in turmoil, and they're struggling. Now, if your life is in turmoil and you're struggling, a lot of things are happening, and you just don't care, you just keep on pressing on, God bless you. Here's my challenge within. You're having all these things going on in your life and you know it's not good and then you say, this is what you say. Can you pray for me? And in my mind, I keep on doing this. I'm not understanding that, Jesus. I'm not understanding. I'm just telling you, I'm just being transparent. I am. I'm, I'm trying to understand that. Why would you come to me to say pray for you? Now, I understand we like to say pray for me. pray. I get all that. But if I'm desperate enough and I know I can go to the same person you go to. (laughs) You know what I thought about, Sister Sylvia? You know what I thought about? That if you knew a millionaire that you can get anything from that millionaire, anything you want. And I said to you, man, I'm behind on my mortgage three months. Can you talk to your millionaire buddy and see if he can let me get some money to pay my rent? And you say, no problem. You always take care of me. And you go to your millionaire buddy and get whatever amount of money I need and you come back and give to me. And I go, and I do this ever so often and you always go to your millionaire buddy and get me some money. You don't think one day I'm going to say, I want to meet your millionaire buddy. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, maybe if I get closer to him, I can get more than what she get. Oh, somebody here. Yeah, come on. You, you, I don't know why we think that we got to get this thing right. So maybe if I get close enough to her millionaire friend, maybe he'll like me just like he like her. Or might, might like me more. That's, that's how we think. That's how we think. Her millionaire friend will like me more when he meet me. And now I can get the money for myself. I don't have to talk to her no more about what I need. Well, that's the Lord. We're not understanding that Jesus is ready and available and saying, I'm here for you, and we won't go to him, but we walk in misery. We walk in pain. We walk in destruction. We walk in shame. We walk in all of the different things of this life and not go to Jesus. I don't get it. I'm trying to figure it out. Say, Lord, why they never come to you, but they are hurting? Why they don't come to you, but they need help? Why? I am lost Amen. trying to figure it out why we don't go to Jesus when we know he has the answers. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Listen, why do I exist? Existing demands something of the thing which exists. Once you exist, there's something that is going to be demanded of you. In God's case, this demand, this necessity must be self-imposed because there was nobody to impose nothing on God. So he self-imposed on himself a reason for existing. If God exists, the Bible says that he doesn't need any outside forces, Cheryl. To exist. He doesn't need help from anybody. He doesn't need any of that. So why would he need us? Have we stopped to think about that? If God don't need anything to sustain himself, why does he need us? Why did he have to create us? If he doesn't need anything or anyone, why? And the first answer is, he would be useless. (laughs) Lord, don't strike me down. <laughs> he's probably chuckling. But 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 that's really what it would come down to show. Think about it. This all-powerful being exists. He can do anything, but he's doing nothing. He's useless. Because in the beginning, we know it as the beginning of when God started doing things, but God doesn't have any beginning or any ending. He always existed. So if he just existed and had all this power, but he did nothing with it, he would be useless. So God had to self-impose on himself. He had to impose on himself a reason for existing. God had to impose on himself a reason for existing. What's the scary thing about that? If he imposed that on himself. And we're supposed to be trying to be like him. We better have a reason for existing. <laughs> Listen to me. Existence demands justification. Justification. Existence demands justification. And all of us that exist, we're gonna have to justify why we exist. And the bottom line is, whoever don't justify their existence, will lose out on eternal life with Christ. Because what you're saying is, I'm useless. And we read the Bible about the branch that bear no fruit. Cut them off. Bundle them together. Throw them in a the fire. So things that are useless, God get rid of them. Whether it's branches, whether it's fig tree, whatever it is. If you're useless, okay, then you don't need to exist anymore. But if you have a reason for existence, then be the reason. Do what you exi- what, you're exi- what you existed for. Do it. don't just exist because you're going to be in trouble just to exist. Existence demands justification. and God had to self-impose justification on himself as to why he exists hmm. So, existence demands justification. I got a lesson on that and I told you I would go through that at some point in time. I'll teach the whole lesson. Listen, the Bible says God is love. It doesn't say he has love. It says he is love. It's part of his nature, his character. It's the essence of his being. God is love. Now, love isn't very valuable unless you bestow it on something. So he starts to justify his existence by creating something. And then when he created something, he made sure it was something like him that had his kind of character and, and, and had the kind of things about that he has. And he created us. And now he says, I need to bestow my love on my creation. Uh-huh. The Bible says God made you to love you. Uh huh. In Jeremiah 31-3, God tells Jeremiah, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. He loved us before we were even born. While we were just a thought in the mind of God, He loved us. If you want to know why you're taking breath right now, why your heart is beating, it's because God made you and He loved you. This is why your breath, your breathing and your heart is beating because God loves you. It's the sole reason you were made to love by by God and to and to bring pleasure to God, just as God brings pleasure to you. Now, God wants you to learn to love him back. That's the first purpose of your life is to love God back because God loved you. Mm hmm. One day Jesus is walking down the street and a man came up and said, what's the most important command in the Bible? And Jesus says, I'm going to summarize the entire Bible in one sentence. Love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. God wants you to get to know him and to love him back because he first loved you. So that means when you get up in the morning, you ought to sit on the side of your bed and say, God. If I don't get anything else done today, I want to know you a little bit better, and I want to love you a little bit more <laughs> because if at the end of the day you know God more than you love uh if you get to know God more and love God more, you have accomplished something mhm, uh-huh if on the other hand. You have accomplished all kinds of things and achieved many, many successes in this life, but at the end of the day, you don't know God any better or love Him anymore. You have missed the primary purpose of your life. So God is not telling you to do some things to be able to accomplish things and what we would call in this world success. He's not telling you not to do that, but what He's saying is, that's not your purpose. To be the best scientist in this world is not your purpose. To be the president of the United States of America is not your purpose. To become a millionaire and give money to the poor is not. Woo! That's not your purpose. So as much as it's lofty, as much as we love it, it's not. Your purpose. Because God didn't put you on this earth just to mark things off your to-do list or your accomplish list. He put you here to know Him and to love Him. That's why you're here. To know God and to love God. All the other things, Matthew, I want you to be a doctor. Don't you get your eyes off being a doctor. I want you to be a doctor and I think you're going to be an awesome doctor, a successful doctor. Keep studying, keep just doing your work. You will be a doctor if the Lord tarries. It's not your purpose. I want that to be clear. I will encourage every one of you to do great things that's not according to God's purpose for your life. But I still want you to understand your purpose is to know God, love God, and fulfill his purpose for your life. Nothing wrong with being a doctor. Nothing wrong with being a lawyer. It's not your purpose. But we need lawyers. We need doctors. We need airline pilots. We need all those people. But that's not your purpose. Got to understand that. All right, let me finish up here. The owner's manual of life is the Bible... And your creator is God. It is only as you get to know God, you will discover your true purpose. And then to go after him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. There's a whole lot more that I can tell you as to why you're here. What is your reason for being created? But I had so much to say tonight. I think this is enough. And so we'll end right there. Let's stand. Did any questions come across the wire tonight? No? All good? All right. Anyone have any question in the house tonight? No? All good? All right. Let's thank God for his word tonight. Let's just talk to him for a moment before we leave this place. Lord Jesus, there's so much for us. To learn about you. Lord, there's so much that needs to be changed within our heart and how we conduct ourselves in this world. Lord, I pray that you will allow the words that's been spoken tonight through me, Lord God. That you, Lord God, will see to it that every word that you allow me to speak tonight will take root into this soil, our heart. And it will grow and produce good fruit. And that, my God, whatever we have heard here tonight, we will receive it and begin to apply it to our life. Begin to exercise it, Lord God. All the things we've heard, Lord God, move on us, will you please, Lord, that we will begin to live these things out. That we will, oh God, truly trust you and obey you and and just follow after you lord god and understand who we are as a people lord god understand why we exist and trust your will for our life i pray lord god that you'll break the strongholds in our life, Lord God, and that you'll set our mind free, Lord God, from being, uh, oh God, cumbered about with all kind of thoughts that have us off track, Lord God. I pray that you'll help us to be refocused on you, Lord God, for Lord, we need to be focused on you in this hour more than we've ever been. Help us, Lord, that we're not distracted. Help us, Almighty God, that we will not go in our own ways. Help us, Almighty God, that we will not Allow the cares of this life, Almighty God, to trip us up. The cares of this life to send us in the wrong direction. I pray tonight, Father, that there will be a move of Your Spirit that will come upon every one of us. Whether it be now or in our private time, Lord God. Will You move on our heart? Will You speak to our heart? Will You remind us of Your Word? Will You teach us and lead us in how, Oh God, we will fulfill Your commandments and Your instructions? Will you help us tonight, Almighty God? Will you help us, O God, that we can truly, O God, walk in our purpose for why we exist, Lord God? Oh, Father, I pray tonight that you will truly hear our cry. And you will let it be so according to your will as we've called on your name. We thank you for loving us with this everlasting love. We thank you, Lord God, for keeping us and showing us mercy and grace that we do not deserve. Father, I pray tonight, your will be done, your kingdom come in all of our lives. And that Lord, the lesson that we heard tonight, Lord God, will have great impact and will bring about change that we will not be the same again. We thank and praise you. Open our eyes to see the way you want us to see. Give us the courage and the boldness we need to do what you want us to do. Show us how we will make a difference in this world how we will impact change in this world will you show us lord god for we are your children we are the children of god who are called by your name and lord tonight we ask that you will show us direct us Help us to walk in truth and in the authority of the Lord and in boldness, almighty God, in you that we will fulfill our purpose, that we will contribute, Lord God, to lives being changed. Oh, God, that we will contribute to people being saved, and we will contribute to people being delivered because, Lord, we went and we submitted ourselves to you that you will work in us and through us. We love you, Jesus. We adore your great God and we ask your will to be done. Hear us tonight from heaven, Lord God, and let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. I love you, church. God bless you. Have a great evening. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in and you have a wonderful night. Hallelujah.